Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies, you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. We're very happy once again to have in our studio Dick Taylor for more fellowship regarding the life study of Genesis. Dick, it's awfully good to have you back. It's awfully good to be back. Today, we're going to look at the God of glory appearing to Abraham. I really love this portion. I do, too. Would you say a little something about the kind of person that Abraham was apart from this divine appearing? Well, it's a very good question. You know, when when you consider Abraham's entire life, when you look at him uh, in his entire history, you look at a person that's just like us. <laughs> uh, he's called the father of faith. And, uh, you know, there seems to be quite an impression from the word that he's really a person of faith. But when you look at the details of his living, he's a person just like us and actually very unbelieving. If it weren't for the appearing of God, uh, he would just been in his unbelief. But at the very appearing of God, uh, infused him to the uttermost. So in principle, I would say What kind of person was he? He was really like a kind of unbeliever. The Lord would say something. He would say yes, but then actually he just lived out the opposite. And really what was required, what was needed for God, the God of glory, to appear to him over and over and over again. And it's just like us. I'm so grateful that the Lord came to me again and again and again so that we could be infused with him as the unique faith in this universe. Abraham's called the father of faith, but actually he didn't have one drop of faith. All of his faith came from the appearing of the God of glory, Mm. infusing him with himself as the very believing element. So uh, this is the kind of person he was. Apart from the God of glory, he had no faith. He was not a believing person. But hallelujah, the God of glory appeared to him over and over and over again. So he's been infused with this dear person as the very believing element. So as long as the God of glory is willing to continue to appear to us, we still have hope. That's right. The only hope we have is the God of glory appearing to us. Let's join Witness Lee for today's life study. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are not three separate, complete units. The three are just one complete corporate man under God's dispensation. God dealt with them as three parts of a complete unit. Abraham's life is an illustration of the first aspect of the complete experience of God's called one. God's calling 
was not anything originated, initiated by the Colman. It was altogether something of God. If we look into the situation in a detailed way, we could see there was three things of God for Abraham to be motivated to take God's calling. Number one, God's appearing. Number two, God's calling. And number three, God's promise. Firstly, we have to spend some time to get into the first factor of Abraham's motive and strength for him to take God's calling. And this first factor was God's appearing. I researched the Bible to find where is the verse that tells us when God came to Abraham, he was the God of glory. Stephen <laughs> told his persecutors, the Judaizers, that the God of glory appeared to our father. Do you know? Well, he was speaking this. The Jesus of glory appeared to him. Yeah. Am I right? right. My, he saw the heaven open to him. Yeah. And he saw Jesus in glory, standing at the right hand of God. Yeah. Why at that juncture, Jesus in glory appeared to Stephen? Because the situation the surrounding environment was too hard for a human to take. In the same principle, why God came and appeared to Abraham? Because by that time, Abraham was under a background, too strong. Where was that? That was in Chaldea. Chaldea in Hebrew simply means demonic. Chaldea was a demonic place. And this was why in Joshua 24 verse 2, we are told that when Abraham was called, he and his father and his folks were worshiping idols. They were worshiping demons. Their place, Chaldea, was a place of the demons. And you know, Chaldea was in a place which was called Mesopotamia. Mesopotamia means in between rivers. This means the place where Abraham was, was not only a place full of demons, but a place encompassed, enclosed with great rivers. You had the demons to hold you, and you have the great rivers to enclose you. What can you do? Where could you go? How are you going to cross the river? 
This was the reason the God of glory appeared to Abraham. I tell you, that appearing was the greatest attraction. Dick, let's break in right here. This section is really full of insight. Abraham was put in a situation that was completely beyond his ability to cope with or to satisfy the demand that God had placed on him. And it was in this environment that the God of glory appeared unto him. You know, uh, this environment that the God of glory appeared to him was a horrible environment. The land of Chaldee was a land of idols. The land of Mesopotamia was just a mess. <laughs> it was a godless society, a godless uh, civilization. So it required a very strong calling of the Lord to get him out of such a place. Uh, you're surrounded by idols. Uh, not only that, uh, where he was located in Chaldee was between the two rivers, the Tigris and the Euphrates. In a sense, you could say he was surrounded by idols and surrounded by rivers. There's just no way out. Even these rivers signifying, in a sense, because of the uh, land of Chaldee with its idols, signifying the current of that age, the current of a godless age. He was surrounded in every way, very difficult environment. So it really required the God of glory to appear to him and to give him a strong calling. He did not have the ability to cope with that environment, and he had no way to satisfy uh, the demand that God placed on him except to get out of that land and to get him across those rivers. Abraham's experience is really portrayed and seen clearly again within the New Testament. When the Lord Jesus, as the very embodiment of the God of glory, was uh, teaching, at one point some so-called spiritual leaders came and condemning a sinful, adulterous woman and put her into his presence, wanting him to condemn her also. But he spoke some very exposing words, causing everyone to leave the scene. And then he said to them, he says, does no one condemn you? And she said, no. He said, neither do I condemn you. Go in peace and sin no more. You can see that this woman who was in this situation of Chaldee, a land of idols, including adultery and fornication, and this Mesopotamia that she was in, the only possible way to get out was by the appearing of the God of glory. So certainly this is a New Testament reality of the God of glory appearing, just like it was with uh, Abraham in the Old Testament. It seems like Abraham's life is really a picture of the New Testament believer's experience, doesn't it? It's really a picture of the New Testament believer's experience, absolutely. Let's return to Witness Lee. For years, I couldn't understand Matthew chapter 4. That tells me Jesus walking along the seashore of the Sea of Galilee. And he saw Peter and Andrew. And he saw John and his brother, James. While Jesus was walking by, Jesus looked at them and said, follow me. Right away they followed. I couldn't understand that. Until one day, 
I noticed that Jesus, walking along the seashore of Galilee, was the great light. Apparently, the calling Jesus was a poor Nazarene. Actually, he was the God of glory. I tell you, to be saved is not just to listen, to hear the gospel, and nod your head, and then confess that you are a sinner, and you believe in Jesus. Yes, this is right. But let me tell you, a real saved one is one that has got the appearing of Jesus. I tell you, that was the real experience of being saved. To be saved is simply to be called. Before that time, it was hard for you to be a real genuine Christian. You realize that your background was hard. Your surrounding was more than difficult for you to be a Christian different from others, right? But one day, or in the night, he appeared to you. Didn't you have this? Didn't you have this? He appeared to you. Oh, the living Jesus. The Jesus in glory appeared to you. That was his calling. He called you, he saved you, and he separated you. That was the strongest attraction to Abraham. So that was the motive and the strength of Abraham being called. Then, the second factor, that is God's calling. Calling means what? means speaking. God spoke to Abraham. There was a divine speaking. It is not a small thing to hear God speaking. At the time when you got saved, it was so real, deep within us. We had the appearing of Jesus. And at the same time, I tell you, that appearing Jesus spoke to you. With some of you, Jesus did speak in this way. Look at how sinful you are. How bad you are. How poor you are. Then you said, well, I know I'm poor. Don't bother me. He said, don't bother you. I love you. I like to save you. Don't you know I'm Jesus? I like to rescue from the poor situation. Are you not willing to take me? And to someone of you or some ones of you, Jesus did say, don't you know I'm the living one? I'm the only one that can give you the eternal life. The outsiders, the non-Christians, they consider that what we are practicing is just a kind of superstition. It is not a superstition. Oh, the God of glory came to me. 
and he spoke to me. Abraham would tell you, no, don't say this is a superstition. I heard him speaking. He said, get thee out of the country. A real genuine Christian has at least once the speak of Jesus. Not by man, but by Jesus, the living spirit, directing you to your depth of your being. That was the power. That was the change for all of us to take God's calling. Dick, this is really encouraging, isn't it? Absolutely. All of us, if we are regenerated, have had at least one experience of the God of glory appearing to us. Of course, to us, it was the speaking of Jesus. How can we obtain this energizing and strengthening on an ongoing basis? It seems to me, when it comes down to the nitty-gritty of our daily life, the unique solution I would say is found in 2 Corinthians 3. Whenever the heart turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. I love that passage. Don't you love that? Mm -hmm. 2 Corinthians 3.16, whenever the heart turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. We need the supply of the God of glory. We need God's appearing. We need God's infusion. But the problem is uh, many times there's a veil between us and him. And the veil actually turns out to be a turned away heart. Our heart, when it's turned away from the Lord, veils us and cuts us off from the very infusion of the God of glory, the one who's able to supply us, to meet his demand, and to energize us to fulfill his desire. So, I would say this, 2 Corinthians 3.18, along with uh, Revelation 2.4, it says, I only have one thing against you. You've left your first love, which means your heart is somewhere else. Both sections really refer to our heart. Turn to the Lord and loving the Lord with a first love. If we would practice this, Lord, I come back to you. Forgive me for being away. Then we'll be people who can enjoy the energizing and the strengthening of the God of glory. Amen. Let's go back to Witness Lee for the conclusion of today's life study, Dick. Amen. Now, we have to go on to the third factor. That is God's promise. Whatever God speaks in his appearing to us is the promise. His speaking is his promising. You said, don't bother me. Then he said, what? Don't bother you. I like to save you. This is a promise. Even he said, I love you. This is a promise. Whatever he speaks to us is a promise. When God told Abraham, get thee out of the country. This implies God promised Abraham a place. Even his command implies a promise. This implies a good land. As he commanded me to get myself out of the country, surely this implies he has a place for me. When people at Babel was building a tower, they were trying to make a name for themselves. 
But God promised Abraham, you don't need to make a name. I will make your name great. You don't need to form a nation. I will make of day a nation. And I will bless you. And I will make you a blessing to others. I will bless them that bless you. And I will curse him that curse you. This was God's promise. With the help of Galatians 3. My, I got to know. This was the preaching of the gospel. I will make of thee a great nation. This is the kingdom. Repent for the kingdom. The same as the gospel. And what eventually is the blessing? Galatians 3.14 tells us. The blessing is the promise of the spirit. That the blessing to Abraham may be received by the nation. Through Jesus Christ, that is the promise of the Spirit. So what was the blessing? The Spirit. And who is the Spirit? God himself. Amen. This means God promised that God would give Abraham himself. Amen. All the blessing of God's creation, all the blessing of God's redemption, all what God wants. To give to man is included in this promised blessing. And this includes God Himself with all what He has in this age and all what He has in the age to come. God will be a blessing to Abraham, and Abraham will be a blessing not only to his descendants, but to all the families. And all the nations on this earth. Praise the Lord. Today he has recovered his original purpose. And he has brought us back to the very beginning. And we are here, the real called ones. The sons of Abraham. Receiving God's calling. With God speaking. And God's promise. That we are now in his kingdom with his image to represent him and to express him. Well, Dick, in this final section, God's appearing and speaking has become his promise. I'm intrigued by this promise to Abraham and the promise of the Spirit in Galatians. Can you say something about the connection between these two promises? Well, these two promises uh, are very precious. Of course, with Abraham, the promise to him eventually was uh, related to a physical fulfillment, the promise of the good land. But the promise in Galatians uh, 3.14 makes it clear that the reality of the good land which is a picture of Christ. The reality of the good land is the Spirit. And the Spirit means what? It's God himself coming to us, entering into us, becoming one with us, to make everything that he is and everything that he's accomplished, everything he's obtained, everything he's attained to, real to us. 
God's promise to Abraham was not just to give him something physical. Eventually, what God promised to Abraham was just to give us himself as the Spirit. The greatest promise that God could ever give would be to give us himself. And for this, we have to say, wow, what a promise. Amen. Thank you, Dick, for today's fellowship. This was really an enjoyment. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. Living Stream Ministry is dedicated to the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China during the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Watchman Nee sent Witness Lee to carry out this ministry in Taiwan. Later, the Lord led him to the United States and eventually to the rest of the world before he went to be with the Lord in 1997. Living Stream Ministry now has hundreds of titles by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee available in English, plus many in more than 50 other languages. To find out more about Living Stream and all that we offer, visit our website, lsm.org. You can also reach us toll-free at 1-888-543-3788 or email us, radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening.